Well, let's do the last Robcast of the year. Hello, my friends. It's December. We're wrapping everything up. But one more before we go off the grid for a while. And obviously, how could we do the last Robcast of the year without Alexander Shia stopping by? It's so good to see you. It is great to be here. It's a beautiful day, it, and you it, stop by. It is, and as I just said, I'm having too much fun. <laughs> so we have all sorts of ground to cover. Uh, Robcast friends, uh, next year, there's a couple dates up for you to come spend two days with me here in L.A. for the How to Say Something workshops, January, February, March. Other than that, nothing going on. <laughs> we're just going to go off the grid, and we're going to cook it all up again. So... <laughs> So we have a lot, lots of things we talk about. Uh, at some point at the end of this episode, we'll talk about Christmas. Mm-hmm. An epiphany. Mm-hmm. We haven't really, because we have this, like, you and I have created a ritual here. We where have. you stop by in December and we, we do a proper Christmas talk together. <laughs> but and we haven't th- done much with epiphany. We've not done through the end of the cycle. Yes. And so we'll end, let's end there. All right. And then... I'm at the end of a cycle, you're at the end of a cycle, a creative cycle, a life cycle, uh, all sorts of, like, I'm at the end of something big, and I know there's a next thing, and you have something similar going on. So we should talk about that. So we'll talk about that, then we'll talk about Christmas. But before we do that, let's do three, it's a three-act play. Um, You, I saw you there last night. I was there. The Final show of the Introduction to Joy tour, which is like a super emotional thing for me, and wonderful, and it's it's sorrow to set that thing down after carrying that show around for a year. It's accomplishment, it's relief, it's it's so many things, and so you you were there. What an honor! I was there, and and I couldn't. I mean, I really wanted to be there, and I was so grateful that you kept saying, come, come. And I was like, why are you so insistent in some way that I, that I see this show? At, at, at one level, I was blown away, but at another level, uh, it started me thinking about joy in, in a deeper way than I've really thought about joy mm. before. Because I named the third path in the Gospel of John as the text of how we receive joy. Yeah. And I've always sort of talked around how joy and happy are very different things. Yeah. But you put a lot of language on that. Okay, let's go back and through. Uh, and, and those of you who are familiar with Alexander's work, there's this fourfold path, Matthew, Mark, John, Luke, is how the ancients read the Gospels. There are these four yes. questions that are at the heart of the human experience, and we're generally, as human beings, in one of these four questions, or we're in different places in our life in these different questions. Right. That's... Uh, Oh, the book. It was the transforming power of the Gospels. It, it's Heart and Mind. Heart and now retitled Heart and Mind. Right. And it is and soon to read come that book out. Right now. Read that book right now and then come back and hit play. Yeah. <laughs> okay, go on. Um, sorry. Now it's going to be something else? It's soon to come out in a hardbound edition. And oh, nice. the title is going to be slightly different. The title is going to be Radical Transformation. Beautiful. The Four Gospel Journey of Heart and Mind. Beautiful. Now, let's talk about the John and the, the yes. joy. Because John is the breaking open because of the pain and the obstacle in the journey. Right. And, and, and John is, I mean, it's so easy to say John is unitive consciousness, and there's all this wonderful stuff that's coming out today about unitive consciousness. And yes. we tend to think that unitive means it doesn't have tension, and it doesn't have... Uh, conflict and it doesn't have strain in it, and that is not true. That that the joy of John is holding everything. Yes, it is that everything belongs, and that in the everything belongs, which is the light and the dark, the up and the down, and and every possible direction and all possible emotion. In that union is joy. Okay. By the way friends, a little bit of review. When Alexander talks about unitive consciousness, think about your life. Think about how you were raised with good and bad, success, failure, winning, losing, good, evil. 
But then think about your life and how you actually grew up. Mm-hmm. What happened? Mm-hmm. Stop me here. You give your cliff notes on. Give your running commentary <laughs> on this. Um, but then think about how you actually grew up. What what makes a good movie is the character has struggle. Something bad happens. There's an enemy. Something evil takes place, and then. It sets the person back, it breaks them down, it tears them apart, but then, ideally in the story, they become a bigger, wider, broader person, and they persevere. So what happens in earlier developmental stages is you have these like binaries or dualities, good, back, winning, losing, but how many of you, when you think about what helped you grow up, it wasn't, if you won all the time, that's not interesting. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. the losing that all sorts of things happening. It's the failure where the lessons come. And the grief and the loss. Yes. And, and you said something last night that just stunned me. I almost, I mean, I sort of sat with it. You went on and I sat with it the whole, the whole rest of the evening. And you said, for those people who have vision, who see more than others, uh, yeah. they walk with a limp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. true. So true. So true. It's the sacred wound. Oh. It, so, so when you talk about unit of consciousness, what happens then as you begin to reflect on your life, you begin to realize that at one level, these dualities exist. There, there is right and wrong and good and evil. These, but then you also transcend them because you realize there's something operating in, through, and among these categories. So the the insight that Alexander was just taking us through is essentially, I'm talking about you like you're not here. I'm talking to them like you're not <laughs> I here. I am still here. Is that oftentimes when people come into a unit of consciousness realizing, hey, wait, all of this belongs. It's all working in our favor. All things here are working together for me. Um, then it almost becomes like floating above the tension and conflict mm-hmm. of life. Mm-hmm. So it's like, ah, we, we've left that stuff behind. Instead of, no, that stuff's there. Yeah. It's still bloody and messy. We just, in all of it, hold it in a certain way. How's that? Is that? That, that is, and, I, and I'm thinking of rituals. I'm, I'm thinking of if, if we go to the Hindus, we've got two eyes, and then they, they put that, that and I'm pointing to this place on my forehead. Right, third eye. The, the third eye, and, and they think of the third eye as the great blessing or, or the greater eye to see. And the greater eye doesn't do away with the duality. It just sees the union between the two, while yes. understanding the two are still there. All parts take place within wholes. All divisions take place within a greater unity. Right. And that... And, and in the Christian ritual, yes. in, in, in some of the high ritual churches, right before they read the gospel, uh, in some churches, the, the priest or the leader, the minister, and, and, the, and, and the congregation will bless themselves by making a four, an equidistant cross on what we would th- think of as the third eye. Let us see the two. Let us see the two. Let us see duality, but understand it as union. Oh, help us to see the, in the full spectrum of our lives, all of it, the push and the pull, the blood and sweat and the goodness, all help us to see that it all is held in an even wider embrace. Right, right, Whew. right. Which never says, because often you'll notice the, the glitch or the default is people then, uh, so none of this is real. Mm-mm. None of this matters. It's all just an illusion. You're like, no, it's very real. It is very real. You lose real. someone you love that's real. Something's wrong with your body that hurts. Like, we never default to it's not real. No. We just no. insist that there's something real, even Spirit realer. Spirit and matter yeah. are one. Thank you. Spirit and matter are one. And we, I mean, the, the glory of the Christian to me is somebody who's fully embodied, which is everything. Absolutely. The divine and human in the same place. Yeah. So take me back to John then. In, in the fourfold reading of the human experience then, John is the place, John is the, jo- the inbreaking of joy. And tell me how you, prior to last night, <laughs> t- tell me what, yeah, you spun my world, again. how joy, tell me, tell me how you've explained joy. Well, that, I mean, as we 
been discussing that that joy is that um, web that when you can see all of life's duality in how it all fits together and that it's yeah. that it's a, a continuum and not an opposition yes then yeah, everything yeah. becomes joy yeah, because there's this line it, in the show about how joy never denies, represses, or avoids. It, it wraps its arms around the full spectrum of oh human experience. God. Doubt, angst, betrayal, loss. I was trying to type that with my two fingers oh. on my phone last night. It wasn't <laughs> By the doing way, sometimes your... <laughs> I see people in the show, I'll look out and I'll see somebody whip out their phone. Yeah. And they're like, you can see they're like listening and then they're trying, you can tell they're like trying to take to type stuff up and then you just see them put their phone down yeah. after a while, like forget it. No, no. <laughs> um, but yeah. So actually, um, in, in the early Christian cycle of reading the Gospels on Sunday, every year they would read Matthew and John, or they would read Mark and John, or they would read Luke and John. And one of the deep messages there is, is that, as you know, Matthew is the question of how we face change, but in that question is the deep experience of joy. And Mark is how we move through suffering. And in that question, and in our wrestling with that question, is the deep gift of, of, of joy. And Luke is how we mature in service. And in that is the deep uh, gift of joy. So the gift of the early church not giving John a separate year was realizing this greater spiritual and psychological truth. That joy is underneath everything, no matter what, you're, what is happening in your life right now. Even if you're in the most painful place possible, mm. there's still an aspect of joy here that you're standing on. Tell me about, have you, uh, have you always had joy? How did you work your way into this? Uh, well, like when you, you, you're studying, you're, yeah. you're studying with Joseph Campbell. Yes. In 1973. 1973, you're studying under Joseph Campbell. You're like, the, the explosion of insight an understanding for you with the ancient gospel tradition, the hero's journey. Are you a joyful person at that? I mean, are, are you? Do you have this abiding Alexander Shyness that you have now? No. <laughs> I, mean, that I was, was, I was, on, I was, was on the way, but no. Yeah. I, you know, I'm I'm a college student, and people who know my story, it's like I'm wrestling with my sexuality. Mm -hmm. It's like I'm I'm feeling like a, an alien in a strange land, mm -hmm. uh, and. Uh, no, I had it, this was a long inner journey to reach a place where I can receive it all with equanimity and joy. It's the limping. It's the limping. And it's the, the the shots you take. It's the struggle, <clears throat> and how you respond to it that right. generates the joy, huh? That's how I and, feel. And I, well, and I mean, I really feel that limping is very much like Jacob. Absolutely. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a wound very near the groin. Uh, which is like the source of, that's like the source of life, essentially. Yeah, it's, a, it's the, 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 yeah. the foundation of life and vitality and creativity. The, 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 the wound yeah. is right there. Yeah, you know, that story, Jacob, in the book of Genesis, wrestles with this angel through the night. And then in... The morning is like hip is injured. When I came across, I think it was in Kabbalah, this uh, midrash on that passage, this commentary that said, ah, he walks away with a limp, mm. but he's had an experience of the divine. Mm. And I was probably late 20s <clears throat> when honest, authentic, genuine, transcendent experiences of being itself are often disruptive to the normal state of play. Um, I mean, this for me, that was a transforming, that was like revelatory for me. Oh, this isn't all up and to the right. Mm -hmm. This isn't all about winning. Mm -hmm. that, that the real connections and epiphanies in life, you go through things. And you come out the other side. That's actually how it works. Mm. That, that, that God's, the divine is found in all that. Yeah. I mean, this, this for me was, and he's limping, but he's limping because he tasted something, saw something, and his 
he's wrecked. He's never gonna be the same again. Mm-mm. Yeah, that's this this went way the, back for me. Like there's something there that I'll probably spend the rest of my life mm-hmm. coming to understand. Yeah. In in the late nineteen eighties, I'm studying in Switzerland. I'm working to become something called a sand play therapist. But my oh, teacher oh, tell me about this. Sand play therapy. Yeah. It's literally there's a like a dish, like a, there's a there's tray a, of sand. There's a rectangular tray that is the exact amount of space the eye can take in without looking side to side. It's How a very much? defined space. <laughs> oh, so no til- no head tilt, no, no pan. No, no, because it, it's sort of a one-pointed meditation. It's in, intended to be that. So you're staring at this tray. It's what, three feet? I'm, I'm looking right now at the table trying to... Two and a half feet? What's the... Yeah, it's about... It's about uh, I think it's... 24 inches wide and 19 inches high. It's basically like the frame of a photo that your mind sees without yes. any left or right. Yeah. And so you would go to a therapist. Right. You're working through your stuff, but in front yeah. of you is the sand. But you're working through it by the creation of images. The creation of the image holds the healing, not the, not the cognitive verbal work on it. So you're working through your stuff and you're with your finger drawing... You can use you can use your hands. You can use how many figure, figurines are, are are in the room. Uh, anything you want to use. And you're creating images in the sand. In the sand or tactile on the sand. representations, action figures, whatever it is. Yes. That are what the memory, the trauma, the wound, the insight is bringing up. You're you're trying to give a yeah. visual. It, Physical expression. In a psychological way, we talk about the deep self. And in a spiritual way, we may talk about higher self or spirit is directing you in a way that's beyond what your conscious mind is thinking. Yeah, yeah. And you begin to tell the story. And what was amazing to me all these years ago was to sit there with other people, as, as well as doing my own journey in the sand, and see the hero or heroine's journey spin out over and over and over again. I wasn't directing people to do the hero's journey in the sand, but there it was. It's one of the places I really came to know that this journey is part of humanity. Uh, so you're working with people, and essentially, first off, we need to get your monkey mind quiet. All that chatter, yes. all the judgment, all the apologizing, all the... We need to get like almost like that picture, like the front part of the brain. We yeah. need to get that quiet so that all the. <clears> but what happens is when I'm sitting there with a person, I'm talking away because I'm, I want to get them, I want to engage their mind in a whole bunch of chatter to let the deep story happen. Because most Westerners, the, the monkey mind will stop them. So you, you engage the monkey uh, The mind. editor, the critic. Yeah, yeah. Don't do that. Don't say that. That's silly. Don't draw that. That's ridiculous. That's childish. That kind of thing. Yeah. I, I can remember what, one story was that I was working with a 16-year-old uh, young man, and he was a great baseball fan. And I would have to study all week uh, on baseball, the box scores, and, da, 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 and, and the whole time he was working in the sand, we were talking box scores, batting averages, and... Yeah, so it's not that the person at the sand tray is silent, but it you engage the brain so that something else in them can happen. Uh, there's that great line um, from Jesus, uh, I'm in you and you're in me, this Christ wisdom, yes, present wisdom of the cosmos. Everybody yeah. has it. Yes. It's that which is deepest within you that's been telling you the truth the whole time. Then authority figures and systems and institutions and television networks have been crowding that voice out. It's like they have bullhorns, and that voice is like a whisper. Yeah, and, and uh, when, I was, wow. when I was in my doctoral work in psychology, I started my own sand play process with a the therapist. And I thought that all of my knowledge about psychology, and I was doing Rorschach testing at this point, I thought all of that was really hurting my process. A few years later, I went back and I saw the images. It blew me away. You know, something much deeper than what my mind was thinking was going on. And it's, those images are still like the holy scripture of my life. They, they are my deep story. Did you take photos of them? How, uh, how would you go back to them? My, the therapist, in the system or the method that I was trained, the therapist takes photos for you after you leave. Oh, then you have because, this record. But, yeah, but because, oh. but in in the Buddhist understanding, 
because the person who developed this was partly a Mahayana Buddhist. It's important for the ego to forget because this is, this is so critical because the ego, if it is too awake, will stop the process because the ego gets afraid. Ah, so yeah, you've, right, got, right. you've got to let the deep story carry you until the ego is ready to wake up and go, oh, that's what's going on. Because and oftentimes the ego gets a bad rap, but you need an ego cares for you, protects you, and ego got you out of danger. Absolutely. This endlessly Absolutely. when people speak about you just gotta get rid of your ego, I gotta say no to I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, no. Integrate that ego's Oh no, yes. Yeah, we, we you need your ego. Absolutely. Uh, you gotta have an ego in order to die to one. You gotta have an ego to transcend it. Like you need that. Right. Drive, ambition, energy. That ego's protected you. It's yeah. got your back. It's well and one of the things that I learned in in, in in the sand play journey and also in, in mythology is that especially when you get to that fourth part, the fourth path, the coming home, you need your, your, your ego has, has got to uh, negotiate with spirit. Spirit will ask everything from you and your ego has got to say, I can do this. I can't do that. Or, ah, this is what I can or, do right now. Or, or I can do this right now. And, and if you want me to do this, all right, spirit, come on with the resources. Oh, okay. So Matthew, Mark, John, Luke. Yes. Gospels read out of order. Matthew, there's a change coming. Something's going on. It's the restlessness. It's the sense yeah. of... It's usually a grief and a loss, and often we'll find some large area in our life which has turned to ash. Something's stirring. The waters are stirring. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Question two, um, how do I wade into the difficulties? Yeah, I call it walking through the valley of the shadow of death. There's a journey I got to go on and I got to leave the village, which means I got to go into the, the valley, the woods. Campbell talked about that as facing great trials and obstacles. John, I, I, third question. Third question is joy, the question of receiving joy. But what joy is that experience of meaning when you see how everything fits together. You're broken. You're split open on the path. You go through the... Diff and then this new light shines through the cracks. And you're like, oh, I think I'm starting to get it. Yeah, although I, I don't use the term light. If, I yeah. like to use the term radiance. Oh, so, see, ladies and gentlemen, that's an Alexander Shia classic it, right there. We is. don't use light. We use radiance. Right. Because <laughs> oh, radiance so has awesome. light and shadow, and it has vibration and movement. Uh, yeah, and yeah, it's like full-bodied light. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the thing that happens when you go through this is you inevitably, God, you, you whatever you've picked up or learned or grown or whatever radiance is now humming well, through you. I gotta go share this with people. I gotta take this back to my people. Well, and which if is, you don't, then it's stillborn. Ah, yes. So there's an imperative to take this to others and to yourself and make it part of your everyday reality, not just some ethereal vision of, of tomorrow. So but, Matthew, Mark, John, Luke, the Gospel of Luke is just endlessly, he goes and heals, he goes and serves, he goes and feeds, Jesus right. goes and helps these people, he goes and teaches, the, it's the going Right. And, and doing and, and, out of the... And in my work, you'll understand that the, the major topography in Luke, which was so hard for me to see, it's the road. Yes. They don't get to settle anywhere. And wow. all the great teachings in Luke are Jesus and the disciples are walking somewhere. Right. The women are paying his bills. They're going from town to town. Yeah. Right. The resur first resurrection scene is on the road, on the road. It's on the road. We Working it out. Oh, my word. This is so helpful for me because everywhere. There's these few questions, like you were at the Q&A last night. Yeah. There's a few, que there's a few questions, they, like in every city, there's a couple questions I know someone's going to ask, but this, oftentimes you could, and you could, you could feel it last night in a couple of the questions, this sense of somebody had been through something, they'd lived to tell about it. A little bigger, a little more spine, a little more expansiveness in the heart. Their spirit is a little richer. Yeah. And you can see them like, I have something to give. I'm going to be miserable if I don't yeah, I, I was also really touched by a couple of people last night who were saying, I've grown, I have something to give, and there are others who can't walk along with me at this point. And the walking, so now I, um, I got to walk it out. Yeah. And it's, it strikes me how often the real question is, if I start taking steps, I don't, uh, 
well, what's the fourth step? What's the fifth step? And I was like, well, we just take the first step. Um, some people aren't going to be able to take steps with me. Yep. Uh, this weird perfectionist culture. Mm. It's like, I feel like I'm often doing um, art theory with people, which mm. is you want a 10 song album, you probably have to write 50 songs. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. The way that creation works is you got to make a lot of stuff. Okay. And uh, you, know, you have to walk your way into it. You don't like plan it out and do one thing and nail it the first try. Mm -hmm. You just throw a ton of things against the wall, and there's always the chance that a couple of them may stick. Yeah. 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 I never had I seen mean, that it's, in Luke. It's, it's the walking. Um, whatever this idea, which I've named Quadratus, you know, mm. arrived. Quadratus from four. Right. Um, this idea of the four paths and this idea that the Gospels form one journey in four parts. But it arrived in 2000, and I keep reworking it, or it keeps reworking me, and it, and, and it gets better because, oh, because it just... How many years now, and it just gets refined. I find better ways to say it, to explain to people, to help people enter it. 20 years now. Man, it's like you read a text and then it reads you. Yeah. Over, and over, yeah. and over and over and over. That's what over. just happening, happened with me just now, with you mentioning that in Luke, everything's walking. Because that's the, th the thing. Do There's you, no destination. You just start trying stuff. There's no destination. Yeah. There's no end point. That's totally how I feel about my life. It's just now. There was never. It's <laughs> just now. I mean, and this is this is Luke's great teaching, which is yeah. underneath the text in a way. But yeah, it's yeah. just now, right? Because the work is enormous. It's going <laughs> to stretch forever, <laughs> and you're not going to finish it. That's so true. And, and if you if you get hooked about finishing or what it's going to look like when I get there, or or when is it going to happen, you're not going to do the work. It it's just. What small piece are you doing today? Ah, oh, that's really funny. That's really funny because someone the other day used the word career. And for some reason, I couldn't stop laughing, thinking about myself having a career. Because I've just never used that word. It's like a completely foreign word to me. Like, you know, how's your career? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you. Like, did you have a career? I do People ask me what I do, and I'm like, oh, uh, let me say. Yes, to this day, I just sometimes just m make stuff up. I, <laughs> I one time said at a party, I'm working on some ideas. Mm. <laughs> I'm working yeah. on some ideas. Um, but I realize now why that word career is so odd to me and made me laugh so hard is that it, it implies like, Oh no, I'm headed. I'm, there's a goal here, and I'm going to get there, and then it's going to. And my experience has only ever been, well, that's where we are today. Yeah. So let's try to let's try to do this. Yeah. And then we'll see where that takes us. Yeah. And then we'll do the next thing, and we'll see. That's always been where the wonder and awe is. So, uh, what were we talking about? Oh, we were talking about last night. <laughs> so glad that you came. <laughs> I was so glad to be there. <laughs> okay. Even, yeah. Well, I was just gonna say, even though I'm, 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 I, folks, I'm trying to do keto, and this is, uh, this which is, is a particular real, diet. It's a particular diet, and uh, my doctors really advised me to do it, and and I'm, I'm understanding that early in the process of making this change, that your energy level goes up and down, or they often say that you feel like you've got the flu for a few days. And you're so experiencing that. I was really that. dragging last night. Well, you're doing great today. Yeah. See, up and down, up and down. <laughs> up and down. <laughs> An hour from now. <laughs> okay, so I, I had wanted to ask you, and then you had mentioned it when you first came in the house. Um, like, last night was the end of tour, and some other projects are done, and now I'm, this is the last Robcast, and then I'll take a break. Last Robcast of the year, I'll sort of go off the grid my kids and I, you know, we'll walk over and see Star Wars. We got big plans. Um, and, but it's the end of this year, especially the things Kristen and I have learned, the, the, the growth and um, like, like the things, our family that we've learned and seen. And it's just been an extraordinary, extraordinary, I can't even think of a year 
any year it's ever been anything like this. And like something's ending. Mm-hmm. And I have, I kind of know what the next thing is. And it's mm-hmm. not like the previous things. Mm-hmm. And I need some time to go away and think about it and then come back. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like the end of a thing. And you get the contours, you get the colors and shapes of the next thing. Some, enough detail to know which direction to step in, but you know what I mean? That, yes. Not enough. So I often feel like my, uh, my heart, my, my insides are leaning there. And I'm, I, I now know enough to know, just follow it, your, your heart. You'll get, it's pre-verbal. It's way deeper than language and the mind. Uh, you'll have the language yeah. for it later. Um, and, I, and as I get older, I get more, find myself getting more tuned in to that. I don't need right now to be able to explain it. And who would I be explaining it to anyway? I'm, yeah. I'm following it, um, trusting it. But you had said the same thing, this, this yeah, end the, of a chapter. I'm at the end and of, of something. And I, I mean, it would be easy enough for me to, to think back. It's been seven years since I walked the first Camino in 2012, and I feel like I'm at the end of a, a whole life epic. Once a year you walk the Camino? I, I do. The first time I walked was in 2012, so seven years ago. Seven years ago you walked, and how far you walk across Spain walk on this ancient... Spain magical, mythical, mystical trail that yes. does stuff to people. Yes. The oldest we the oldest known pilgrimage in the West. How this you went in October this year? Uh, yeah, I was in October. How many miles did you walk year? in October? Well we we walked about three hundred we walked about three hundred kilometers, so just about two hundred and some odd miles. Next year is uh uh six hundred kilometers. How many days will that take you next it's year? About about sixty days. You're going to walk for two months next year. We're going year. to walk for two months. From and, the very beginning this, to the very end of the trail? This may be the end. Um, that's one of the things. Uh, I lo- I just There's something telling me that the way that I've been doing the Camino, or at least or something, is, is, is over. Uh, I, and I also know that there's a lot in my life that is going to change in 2020. Um, I just had my birthday. And... And I'm 68, and I, and and this is four years since the cancer surgery. Um, I feel great. I don't think I've ever actually physically felt better than I feel right now, but I have this sense of an ending, and I don't know that it's death, but it's an ending, and that I've got X amount of years to work hard and to produce a whole series of books, and I've got to go get a small place in the world and put myself there and write because they're all of these what I think are seminal ideas that I need to get out there to leave for somebody else. And that means I've got to pull off the road and and have a much more quieter life for this next period. I don't know. It's like even thinking about that, my stomach goes flip. Why? Because I love what I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. I love being with people. I love the interchange. I love taking people on the Camino. Mm-hmm. I love it. And yet, I've got to stop that. Oh, First, but Because spirit has something else for me to do. By the way, I think lots of people just pulled over by the side of the road <laughs> listening to the Robcast. They stopped their workout. They put the dishes down and they're like, yes, Alexander, whatever you got in there, Please write it down for us. <laughs> we would like to know what else you got in there. <laughs> what else you're carrying around? Yeah, I, I think I, I think speak the, for the committee on this I, one. Right. I know. I mean, I feel so badly that I'm coming on and saying the Christmas book is not done. And part of the reason the Christmas book is not done is because the Camino has taken too much of my life, mm. even though I love it. Uh, yeah. I've got to take that vitality and put it in another direction. Yeah. So you have some sense. That's. To me, this is one of the great. This is the, one of the great things I see happening all over the place. Is is people rediscover? We we've so paved over the world that the deep ancestral sense of agriculture, which is crops and seasons, yeah. uh, is not uh, familiar to a lot of people. But I see so many people recapturing the oh things end, not because they're bad. Not because you got fired, not because there was divorce. They just ended, and they ended, 
and they were good. That's why it has to end. Yes. It's because it was good. Yeah. Um, and I've seen yeah, so many people just... saying, you know what, I've been doing this job, it's great, they pay me, et cetera, and yet I have no reason to leave other than I think about it every day. And I'm like, yes. That's not a radical idea. That's a very old, that was an old idea, yeah. which is, means it's radical. Um, this is how it has, yeah, in the great tradition, it's always been this understanding that something comes to an end simply because it's an end, yeah. and it's good, and it's fine, and then you walk away not knowing, and unless you walk away, you can't, the space doesn't get created for the new thing to yeah. be birthed. So you end up staying in this thing forever because, well, I guess you, I didn't... You've, you've got to stop before yes. the new thing arrives. Yeah. And that's so hard in this culture to do. Yeah. To, to walk away without knowing what the next thing is. Right. Right, 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 right. Because right. it got... You think about the economic industrial complex, which built up these... Uh, there's a standard of living, and you have to either uphold it or improve it. You can't go live more simply right. so that you could then have the mobility to cook up. So many things kick in. Some good things, but also some really destructive things that get in the way of the vitality and the fullness. Yeah, yeah so you got to go find some space and type. Type. Well, I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that also means I've got to go find some space. It's like I don't know whether that's going to be in Santa Fe or someplace else in the world, but um, mm. I've got to go either rent yeah. or buy some small place and and uh, pull in. Yeah. Yeah, you do, because mm -hmm. the space matters. It does. It and does. to start typing. Um, I've discovered that I really need a consistency of space. And for me, the space has got to be fairly stark. It can't yep. have too many things around. Yep. Yep. Uh, back when I used to have an office, office before my son took my desk and my and I just have a laptop and I wander around the yeah. backyard, uh, I would I would get a space and then just paint the walls white and this very <laughs> desk bookshelf mm -hmm. chair, mm -hmm. and it was always the cleanest, most sparse space so that all all this stuff can yeah. happen. By the way, this is what happened to me when I was probably 33 or 34. Kristen said, you know, you can go all over, speak all over. You can travel. You can talk to all these crowds, interact with all these people. She's like, but if you were to sit still and craft these ideas into like words and sentences and paragraphs and books... That would be like a, that would be around for a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she, she, we had this very similar, I know you love the whoo, but if you could take all that energy and like distill it into concentrated form and craft words and sentences and paragraphs, well, that would be a whole other thing. So I resonate with yeah. that. Yeah. And I'm getting little glimmers of, of um, of the future, but they're just glimmers. Like one one of the things that's just arisen is the I think we're going to create or we're on the process of creating a publishing house that's going to be called the Shias Beekman House. Bearing the lead on this one, man, really? Yeah. Called the what? The Shias Speakman House. <laughs> I love it. To, to make your works or to make works, to your make, works and then similar? To make my works and Nora Speakman and a few other like-minded writers to give it. them a, an avenue to it. get the message out. I love it. Because um, like, one of the things that we're really committed to is we want to refresh tradition. We don't want to destroy it. Uh, I mean, yeah. you can, but it's like, I, I and I don't, I, I'm not interested in quote-unquote new age. I'm interested in the great traditions uh, being brought forward in a vital way for today. Well, that's, I mean, obviously that's what you do. I mean, yeah. and I love how you talk about the ancient and the liturgical and the things. You talk about it in a way, and the number of people who are like, yeah, when Alexander talks about this stuff, it's like, it's like this moment. So good. Yeah. Once again, the committee has spoken. We affirm you. <laughs> By the way, you're 68. See. And you're just getting going. 
in some ways. Like cooking it all up, all over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really, that's pretty awesome. We I mean, my, my family line would say I, I will live into my 90s, but I feel this urgency. I don't, and I don't, I'm not thinking that I'm about to die in any way, but I am thinking that Spirit is saying, look, you got to get going on this other stuff. There's no time. Le- there's no time to, you know. You're, you're 68. It's time to get started. Come on, man. Um, and the reason why I point that out is, and I say this to lots of people when I see it because it's so important to me, but when I was growing up, when you got older, you sort of left the scene. Mm. Age... Um, there was this place people went when they were done and sort of checked out called Florida when I was growing up in Michigan. Do you know what I mean? That, that I growing older... I've got cousins in Florida. I growing do. older uh, was not about growing younger. It was not about increased vitality. And almost like the exact moment when we needed village elders who had seen it all and could help us navigate things people just checked out like I'm done especially this idea of 65 I remember my one uncle turned 65 they had a party and then he retired and then he moved to Florida and gone just like yeah um so I remember growing up thinking that like it should get better and it seems like later in the game you'd know okay don't give energy to that that's Mm -hmm. a waste that we know about and that's over here actually Mm -hmm. pay attention to this like so whenever I meet a village elder, I always tell them, you are a village elder, and we need you, and we love it that you're sweet, and you're just starting, <laughs> because for the rest of us, it's like, okay, good. Another person confirming my sense that this thing gets better as you get older. It does. You're starting a publishing house at 68. I'm I love it. Yeah. I love well, it. it <laughs> yes. It's fantastic. I, I, well, I... I yeah, there is this concern, not a worry, but a concern about how does this work keep going forward? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There has to be a vehicle. Absolutely. Oh, I love it. Okay, uh, we were talking about last night. Then we were talking about cycle seasons, the end of something, the beginning of something. Um, so now, in our three-act episode, Christmas, epiphany. Epiphany. Uh, the year is winding down. The days are getting shorter. And then you have this turn of the fulcrum when the days start getting longer again. Light starts increasing again. And you have this season called, historically called Epiphany, which is fascinating because in our culture, people know about Christmas at some level, although it's a more subversive story than ever. Uh, Can you give us Epiphany where that comes from, what it is, for those who are like, wait, what, epiphany? Well, I mean, epiphany is a Greek word that means means somewhat phos manifest, or I'm really going to say radiance manifest. Other people phos would normally be translated light, as in yeah, phosphorescent, but, but, but you don't, because you're Alexander Shy, you put well, your spin. Radiance. You know, right. Light is too, the, the, the word light is too flat for me. Ah, got it. Yeah, I, yeah, want, right. I want it to have movement and color and right. shadow anyway. Right. So um, Epiphany is the 13th day of the Christmas season. And in earlier broadcasts, uh, we've talked about how 13 was honored by the Celts and that Christianity assumed the 13-day festival. And we I don't know. It seems as if we were embarrassed by the number 13. And so we made Christmas Day, Christmas Day, followed by the 12 days of Christmas, still keeping the 13 days uh, from, <laughs> from the Celtic celebration of the goddess. Yep. And it was the goddess because the winter solstice was about the festival of birth. The summer solstice is about the festival of death. But the winter solstice is the festival of birth. And birth comes from the mother, or comes through the mother. So this 13th day, uh, for the Celts, the 13th day past the winter solstice, you re- they really had that, that incarnate, in-their-body experience of how the radiance was, was, was growing. You, there was really a felt sense of how there was more light uh, in their world. Mm-hmm. 
So Christianity comes along, and we're going to make the 13th day of the Christmas cycle, the last day of the, of the feast, and then it's also the first day of the new season, uh, Epiphany. And, but over the history of the feast, we've used three different Gospels for this feast. So we in the West tend to know this feast as this is the time that the Magi came to to adore the, the Christ child, but that's only one of the three Gospels. And the three Gospels are the, the coming to the Magi, and the second one is the baptism also of Jesus. Also called the wise men. Wise men. Yeah. Okay. And, second. And the, the second one is uh, the baptism of Jesus, and the third one is the wedding feast at Cana. And so one of the things that, that knowing... Where Jesus turns, turns water into wine. Thank you. Yes, where Jesus turns okay. water into wine. Someone and then his baptism, Matthew chapter three, whatever, where Jesus, Jesus comes up the out water, of the water. Up. Okay, and and hears a voice of God, or other people hear this a voice of son. God. Yes, yeah. the beloved. Yeah. Um, so it's what that tells us immediately is that the feast is not about any particular story. It's there is something in each of the three stories which opens up the spiritual incarnational aspect of this feast for us. Got it. So let's look at each of the three and, 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 the, and the beauty that it brings as the completion of the birth cycle. Ah, uh, okay. Got it. So I love the story of the Magi as the completion of the birth cycle because the, the three Magi or the three, quote-unquote, the three wise men, although it's interesting to know that in Christian history that that... Sometimes it's been thought of as 144 people showed up, not right, just three, right, right, right. or 12. Because or... in the nativity scene, there's always the three wise men, but in the story, there's not three. Right, no. It's one of those classic, or there's a donkey, a donkey's never mentioned, yeah. a camel, never mentioned. Yeah. yeah. It's like a classic thing that just gets becomes like iconic and has no roots in the actual source, right. which is always, to me, amazing. Okay, so. But here's the deep story of, of, of this gospel around Epiphany, because this, the, the story of the coming of this, mad, I use the term magi, to the Christ child is in Matthew, yep. which I see as the gospel about facing change, about, about the moment that we're standing there covered with ashes. And we were just talking about that when we are feeling the call to something else, we have to leave where we are, and we don't yet know where we're going. And in this gospel, early in the text, the Magi show up with gifts. And one of the things that I know is that when you're walking your true journey and you leave something behind, unexpected gifts show up. Unexpected resources show up. Man, oh man, that's good. It's true, and I, I don't want people to just go jump off cliffs. That's not, you know. But when you have sat long enough and you really understand that you're being asked to move on and you're afraid because you want to know what's going to be there next, I want to tell you that Spirit is saying, I have resources for you after you step out. And the, the, the Magi come from far away. They come from far away. So these resources will not come from the usual supply chain. No. And they are traveling oh, at nighttime. I know about this. This is a nighttime journey. Provision and guidance and support will come from the most unexpected places. And if you don't step into it and start walking, there are all of these surprise provisions and gifts you're going to miss out on. Right. Because you stayed. Right. And so many people want those gifts to arrive before they make the decision to leave. If I get enough gifts, then I'll leave yeah. home. I wish it worked that way. I really do. It doesn't. No, it doesn't. The stepping unleashes the gifts. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, Kristen, I know about this. Ooh. Yeah. That's fantastic. That so then we fantastic. have the, the second... Story, story of Epiphany. Yep. Which was which uh, is Jesus', Jesus bap baptism. And he comes down into the water, and there's this... But let's remember, the water 
in the Hebrew world is not the water of cleansing. No. It's the water of dissolution. Chaos, abyss, Chaos. darkness, which is Genesis chapter 1, where the Bible starts. Yes. Spirit hovers over the waters, enters into the waters, brings out something new. So Jesus' baptism becomes a reenactment, come on, of Genesis yes. 1. Yes. And yes. spirit hovers over the yes. water, which is the image of a bird's wings fluttering. So Jesus' dove descends. Yes. And in that experience, you too will hear, in some way, spirit say to you, you are the beloved. You are a beloved. You are loved and beloved. You take steps. You begin to walk. You enter into the unknown. And then you hear a voice. Right. Hey, you're okay. Yeah. yeah. You're good. We're good here. You can do this. But you often aren't going to hear that if you don't go down into the water. <laughs> yeah. That's so true. Yeah. Because almost like the pain of the disorientation of the water has you asking, who am I? And I either just go back to the same old, I'm defined by what the system told me I am, who they said I am, reading from their script, or I have to find who I am. Right. Yeah, that lovely couple last night asking that question uh, uh, about all the voices around the, them. Uh, they're in graduate school, and there's just voices around them telling them what they're supposed to do with their lives. You could see it on her face, like, but we got something within us, yeah, something we're here to do, and it doesn't fit with the script. You could see, and then she started to get those tears in yeah, her eyes. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. And I, I couldn't. I, I was behind them, so I couldn't see their face. Oh, her but, face, his but face. But I was, I was praying. I that was, was like, beautiful. Oh, yeah. Please let the spirit carry you. Isn't it interesting? Don't last stop. night, when people are asking questions, how there's uh, there's the question, and then there's right below it, like a a, a subterranean world of yeah. spirit moving and people yeah. responding, recoiling, leaning in, leaning back, all that. Ah, oh, that's good. Wise men, magi, story number two. Baptism, entering into the waters, out of it something new comes. And then... Sense of self is beloved. Oh, the sense of self is... Because oftentimes what the waters are is you have to leave behind your previous identity markers. Like that job gave you a title, an office, everybody knew who you were. What is it that you do? This is what I do. Then you got to leave that to go be yourself. And now what do you do? Uh, I make things, I'm in between things. (laughs) Like the... You shed all those things that you clung to, which gave you and the people around you a sense of security about, uh, it's okay, I'm successful. Uh, Especially to the um, often paternal, maternal figures who need to know that you turned out a success. So, hey, look at, here's the job title. As opposed to, I'm just, I'm trying some stuff. And I'm more alive than ever, which means you have to be so grounded in who you are. I had never seen that before. I'm just now realizing this is my son, mm-hmm. my beloved. Mm-hmm. This is my daughter. Mm-hmm. This is my kid. They're good. Mm-hmm. What the writer's doing there. Hey, this is how it works. You go into the water to find out who you are. And when you find I mean, out who I you mean, are. I it's mean, so, it, it's sad to me that most Christians in our tradition have lost the understanding that the water, yes, the water is regenerative. But first of all, it's death. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You got to die to a bunch of things. Yeah. You got to die to what the, tri- what the tribe says is success. You got you to gotta die to all of the things you're clinging to for identity. Which is interesting because the story is Jesus then essentially confronts a corrupt establishment to the point where he becomes an enemy of the state and he's killed for calling out an unjust, oppressive industrial, religious, military complex right. at some right. level. So how do you ever find the resources to take on a system? Um, you, gotta, you have to have done that work and found yourself at such a deep sense of resolve and grounding yeah. if you're going to go yeah. make some noise. We, 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 <laughs> there and, you go. And this is so much part of the next story, um, The Wedding at Cana. But 
we must come to understand our our utter holiness at root. And that it's our utter holiness at root that gives us the strength to throw off the corruption of the false self in us. Yeah. Say that again, please. Because it's well, so good. It, that we need to discover the holiness at root that each one of us is. That we are beloved. And that that becomes the source that helps us throw off internally and externally the false self. Yeah. And the corrupt empire is just a collective false self. Yeah, you get enough people together and then you get a system that just manifests a larger version of what each person is carrying around. Yeah, yeah. But I love this. We move to the third gospel. Okay. Because this is, there's so much in this beautiful gospel of the wedding feast at Cana that we miss. And the first part that we miss is um, we we have lost the sense that stone for the Hebrew is the incorruptible substance. So the wedding feast of Cana really starts in the passage before that where Jesus says to Simon, you're Peter, which is you're Petros, you're stone. But Peter is not just Peter. Peter is every one of us. Peter is every human. You are made of stone. You are made of the incorruptible substance of God. That's who you are. You can forget it. You can run away from it. You can cover it. But you cannot ultimately destroy it. That's who you are. Wake up to who you are. You are made of the incorruptible substance of God. And now we come to the wedding story. And there are these, we think, throwaway details in it that are actually key to it opening up in in a greater way. And we have water at the wedding, held in what? Incorruptible stone jars. Right. The water held within a substance which is incorruptible. Mm -hmm. And that water is going to be changed into an elixir, which at one level is the fact that God never wants us only to live on subsistence, but wants us to live with joy, a deep source of, of nurturance. But there's more here. How many... Vessels are there that this that these water are going to be held in? I don't know. Twelve? No. I don't. Six. Six. <laughs> just <laughs> which goes back to the sixth day of creation, which is and God makes us in God's image. God makes us male and female in God's image, and that the six is carried forward in Judaism into the Star of David which is made up of the downward-pointing triangle for the feminine and the upward-pointing triangle for the masculine joined together. So this, this wedding at Cana is not just about an external wedding, but it's about the internal wedding, and it's about that we are made for communion. We are made for this interplay of two. We are made for this interplay of thousands. That's who you are, that you are not made beloved only single, you are made beloved plural. And this Community, is, all of us. All of us. And this is the journey that we're on. This is to take us back to where we started. The interplay of male and female, the interplay of light and dark, the interplay of, of, of heaven and earth, the interplay of all these things that we are opposite, ultimately, through the mystery of this great wedding, we will come to understand is who we are together. And this is the great foretaste of the radiance that concludes the 13-day festival. You are a wedding. We are a wedding. So this... So uh, can you place this then... There's so much there at our North Start... (laughs) Can you place us within what we know to be uh, December 25th in the calendar as it relates to this winter, the turning of the sun? Where's the 13 days in that? Uh, The 13 days for us today Mm -hmm. starts on the night of December the 24th. Every feast day starts after sunset Mm -hmm. and goes through January the 6th, the January the 6th being the Feast of the Epiphany. Got it. 
and as we've talked about in in, in other of our podcasts, there that we now have three days between the actual solstice and Christmas Day because in the 16th century the calendar had the the old calendar the Julian calendar only had 362 days a year in it and as it went over millennia the growing season was off from the calendar cycle so that by the time the calendar was redone Christmas December the 25th was in the springtime so they discerned that they had to add three days to the year. Well, when you add three days to the year, all the Christian feasts, which are predicated on what's going on in the earth and the sky, were an utter eco-spiritual tradition. We're an incarnational eco-spiritual tradition because the, our feasts in, on the calendar are predicated on earth and sky, not on theological concept or historical date, except for Easter. Right. So then we had a three-day, we had a 72-hour or a three-day difference between the winter solstice and the new day. To, I mean, Christmas stayed on the 25th and the solstice moved back to the 21st. And there was the great consternation about what do we do? Do we move the feast of Christmas back three days or do we leave it on its traditional date? And again, the answer is always in the earth. We started theologically. Jesus was in the tomb three days. Okay. But let's. But the, the greater reason in Christianity is always incarnational. And what we now know is the word solstice means sun still, that at the summer solstice and at the winter solstice, the sun to the naked eye does not seem to move. Mm -hmm. So at the winter solstice for the Celts, they were always waiting for that third morning past solstice night when the naked eye could actually perceive lights increase. Could detect the light increasing. Yeah. And that was the great reason the church could leave Christmas on December the 25th, because now on Christmas morning, oh. light is increasing. Radiance is increasing So in there's the world. been a birth, and this radiance is going to expand and increase in the world. Yeah. Along with the increase in actual sunlight. Right. And so all of how we think about our our interiors is lined up with what's happening around us. We're, right. we're connected to the earth and what it's doing. Right. And it's... And, and that... Because we don't know what day of the year Jesus was born, but Christianity wanted to tell the universal cosmic truth that yeah. also is in the historical truth of Jesus' birth. And the cosmic spiritual truth is, is that whenever we're in the deepest dark, that's where a new grace is born. Therefore, at the deepest dark for the Northern Hemisphere is when we choose to celebrate the historical birth because nature itself is giving us the same proclamation. Yes. At the moment it's darkest is the moment that it turns and the light begins increasing. Yeah. But I also love that we have this three days between the turning and the actual seeing, because that's so true in us, that often it's, we have a sense of the turning, but we don't see the effect of it yet. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good, I gotta, that's a good mantra to just like, hey, I'm in a, it's a, it's a three-day thing. <laughs> like, I know something's coming. I know something's ending. It's pretty tough. I have hope. That's ah, like a three-day thing. Yeah. I'm in that three days. It's a three-day fog. Yeah. It appears dormant. It appears it dormant. It appears still. I love that. It Solstice appears, sun still. It feels like nothing's I, happening. I loved your comment last night that cynicism is lazy. <laughs> yes. You know, it's yes. so easy when you're in cynicism that when you're lazy. in that span between to get cynical right. or bitter or resentful right. or think it's never going to happen. And not, oh wait, this is how it works. Yeah. Yeah, it's all part of it. This is how it works. Yeah. Solstice, sun still. God, the sun is so still. <laughs> Come on, sun. Uh Man, oh man, oh man, every year you come by in December, mm. I look forward to it. 
does something to me. Carry it with me. One last piece before we leave. And in that old calendar where December the 25th was Christmas and the winter solstice, the Celts on December the 24th decorated a barren tree. And my my nephew, and I now have a, a, a little bit more than a three-year-old great-nephew and a almost two-year-old great-niece, and they just put up their Christmas tree. And for the first time, they the little ones have really gotten this tree. And, yeah. And they have a, a, a very large tree, and, and my nephew has sent me this picture that's just on my heart of my nephew, my great nephew, my great niece sitting there, looking up at this tree with just utter wonder. And that's I I I, I am so sorry that that some of Christianity thinks that the tree is not part of a Christian Christmas. In the, in, in the old calendar, December the 24th was the Feast of Adam and Eve. And the Feast of Adam and Eve was when people put a tree up in their house and decorated it precisely to bring that sense of wonder and awe. That's the beginning and the end of the Christian journey. Yeah. Yeah. In this moment, we and all of creation are in the garden. I'm not adding anything to that. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> no. Oh, right. thank you. Thank, thank you, you so much for coming by. To, to all so grateful. the listeners, Merry Christmas. To, to you and your family, Merry Christmas. Thank you. Thank so you. grateful for life. And yes. For wonder and awe. Yeah, wonder and awe. Well, Robcast friends, I know. You're like me right now, right? You're like, what 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 just happened? Oh my goodness. My heart is so full. It's like, whew. Um what a great year. And we wrapped it up with Alexander, and then I'll take a little break, and then in the new year I'll be back and I actually got a bunch of ideas for future Robcasts I'm pretty mm-hmm. excited about. Mm-hmm. And, and we'll uh, keep going. So, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, grace and peace and radiance be with all of you now more than ever. <laughs>